Friday, November 11, or excuse me, November 17th, I'm looking at 11, it's the 17th, 2024, my name is Jaron Jackson, I do love America, for me it's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, today I want to talk to you about how to sell a war, it's escalating, it's happening, but then of course there's multiple wars happening all over the place, there's the war for your soul, that the world is constantly waging on it. Maybe the war for your family. Maybe the war between nations. The war going on in Israel. All sorts of other things. But I want to talk to you, if I can, about how to sell a war. And I don't think that many people consider this perspective. That if there's profit or money or leverage or power to be gained from a war, then you've got to treat war like it's a product. How do you bring that product to market? How do you merchandise it? How do you advertise? How do you convert window shoppers to customers? How do you close the sale? How do you get people to buy into a war? How do you get them to go ahead and say, yep, let's go do that. Let's go do that. I want to explain, I want to explore that, if I may. And I want to begin with the book of Proverbs like we have been. Amen. Where are we at? Where's my this? We're going to go to Proverbs chapter 17, verse 24. Proverbs 17, 24. Wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. So wisdom is before you. It's right there, right, right there in front of you. It's right there, which is what you are involved in. The wisdom for you is right where you're involved in because that's where God puts you. That hath understanding. But opposite, the eyes of a fool, so someone who doesn't believe in God, is looking at something. And what is the fool looking at? Are in the ends of the earth. You're going to be looking at geopolitics. You're going to be looking at stuff all over the place, trying to figure out how the world works by looking everywhere except for right before you. That's going to be the first thing that we look at. But this, uh, the... the um, The wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. One of the ways that war is sold to us is that we have been conditioned, trained, programmed. We have been made to believe. We've been proselytized. That we are insignificant. That we don't matter in God's eyes. And because we don't matter in God's eyes, we're small compared to government, Nations, corporations, large group of people. That somehow the things that we have in our life are small by comparison to what we think is in the ends of the world. And as we go ahead and start to diminish who we are, we elevate, magnify everything else. And I don't mean diminish from a humble perspective. I mean diminish from a I'm not worthy of something perspective. Now, of course, we'll get into the content of the day, which we will start with China. Well, I should say, we, we will start with Xi Jinping Pong and his visit to California yesterday or the day before, the, the, speak, the, the speech that he spoke about. That's where we will begin. But to finish this intro, to finish the introduction, 
If the wisdom is right there before you and you have the understanding to recognize that God has put you where you are and he has not put you not where you are, then if you're looking at places where you're not and stuff you can't influence, that's not really where wisdom is. And so if you wanted war, you would get people to look at places where they have no uh, no influence. You would get them constantly looking at stuff that they can't really impact, and you would convince them that it's that those things are more important than themselves. Of course, you would never position it like that. You would never say, the war in Iraq is more important than you. Some people might. But that's not the way to position it. We'll get into how to position it later. But it was this idea that I, I wanted people to recognize. If Christ died for you on the cross, don't you think that you're significant? If there's a nation that exists, do you think that that nation is more important than you? If Jesus died for you? These are how I think that people need to start thinking because I think it is allowing wars to be sold. I think the absence of that thinking is how wars are sold. We'll get there. Uh, I would I appreciate your attention to go to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. The link is in the description below. There is an awesome opportunity to harden your supply chain, get the products that you would normally purchase and have in your home, the money you're already spending, switch it on over to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. If you register myself or someone that's with me, someone I know, is going to be calling and we're going to be talking to you about how things are. Now, because this is a private membership association, it doesn't function like Walmart or Amazon, where it's just this open kind of feral commercial opportunity. Because we don't like the big corporations that are shoving godlessness down our face, we like these private American businesses that have fully vertical integration where they manufacture everything here, they ship it here, it's made by people who are from here. We like that. PatriotSwitch.com slash Jaren. PatriotSwitch.com slash Jaren. God bless. I want to start with Xi Jinping Pong. This is his arrival two days ago in San Francisco, the city formerly littered with empty, uh, what do they call it, needles, used needles, with probably gonorrhea. <laughs> the city that used to be known for Alcatraz and Candlestick Park and the Golden Gate Bridge and those kinds of things is now known for homelessness, godlessness, butt sex, and all sorts of other depravity has been cleaned up for the Xi Jinping Pong arrival. Here's what it looks like. Go ahead. That's despicable. The only, th I mean, the, the only word I could think of is cuck, but that's not a good word, so I don't want to think about that word. Did you notice that the side of the plane said Air China in English and not Mandarin? I, I mean, don't, do not doubt the influence of America whenever the freaking communist leader of the world is flying on a major jet to America with English written on it. 
Like it says Air China. Don't don't miss that influence. Do not miss that influence. The influence of, of the course is the idea that a lot of the commercial activity, the consumption, the 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 economy, the the money is routed through the West, which is really routed through America because America was is a nation built on Christian principles because our founders believe the Bible, so they enshrine biblical principles into our founding documents, which is why, because of property rights, common law, and limited government, we have a flourishing country, even though we have denied God, accepted abortion, divorced marriage we have all sorts of other bad things do not miss do not miss the positive influence that the united states has made on the world by virtue of its foundation communist leader flies on a plane and says air china in english do not miss that but that's not really what i wanted to focus on You've got Gavin Newsom, the former lover of Kimberly Guilfoyle, now the tramp wife of Don Jr. He's there and he's they're all bowing. They're all doing these bows. They're all you know the bows. Americans don't bow. So, I mean, look at this riffraff trying to do their best Chinese version of ha 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 masa masa ah ching ping 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 wang ching wang. No American bows. It ain't in our culture. So here's this simp looking like they're subservient to the godless commie Chinese dictator to in the bow. I wouldn't have showed up. Janet Yellen. I think she's the Secretary of the Treasury. Yeah, she's the Secretary of the Treasury. Former director of the Federal Reserve, right? So it's just a revolving door. It's an incestuous relationship. It's a doppelganger. One day you're the you're the working for the Federal Reserve. The other day, you're the leader of the Secretary of Treasury. Oh yeah, I'm fully qualified. Ha, Pa Shang Pong. And she why is she there? Cause she needed to sell some more debt to the Chinese. So she's selling the debt, and Gavin Newsom, he needs some kind of routed uh, subterfuge type of you know funding for his pending 2024 presidential election. So all of these people are suckling up to the powers. Why would you, if you're a trustee to the United States, if you're sworn to the Constitution of the United States, why would you get on a tarmac and give respects to a guy that is godless, communist, and the main competitor of your nation? Where's Lee Harvey Oswald when you need him? But why, why are we doing this type of thing? I submit to you that there's people that are beholden to China. Duh. There's influence of China psychology, the Confucius Institutes on college campuses, the perversion of uh, Hollywood, of course. I mean, remember the big story that it was Tom Cruise was putting on the jacket on the new Maverick movie and they were like, oh, you can't have Taiwan on there. See, the normal conservative media would look at this and say, look at how subservient they are. And that's true. They are. But those politicians are low-level henchmen in the godless commie scheme. And this is where I, I don't believe that most Americans are really thinking about what are the motivations for something. People would probably look at the motivation of Xi Jinping Pong coming to America as though he's putting his mushroom stamp on America saying, look at me, look how powerful I am. Some people have looked at the fact that he was probably buying out Californian ports, which by the way, a foreign entity can't own American property. So if the American people gave it to their government, the government can't whore it out to another nation. Can't happen. Even if there's a contract that's voidable because the, the granted power cannot be delegated again. That's a maximum of law. 
So for people with their hair on fire looking at the fact that, well, he's just going to buy up California, he's going to do all this. Well, he is, but that doesn't mean it's lawful. And if you learn the fundamental law, you can actually learn to push back against this type of stuff. And I believe that we will. I believe that we can. And I believe, I well, I know what the law is. The law is, you know, this foreign nation can't own, occupy, or, or uh, control these ports. Can't do it. Can't do it. But people might look at why Xi Jinping Pong came and they would say, well, look, he's just trying to flex. He's just trying to, uh, you know, browbeat America and show how predominant they are. Understand that that right there is an in the eyes, in the ears for the key train of the mind narrative. That is a narrative that's positing China as, uh, you know, up and rising superpower. I believe China is a paper tiger. Of course, I want to steel man my argument by showing you this is the Coast Guard mapping of the South China Sea. You see up at the top 2021, 2022, 2023. This is the South China Sea. This is one of the most active uh, sea lane commercial areas in admiralty jurisdiction on the ocean. This is one of the most commercially active, vibrant sea lanes. This is a hotly contested naval terrain. And as you see from the left to the right, more uh, patrols of the Chinese Coast Guard have happened. In fact, if you actually look, the Chinese are, uh, they're, they're launching multiple nuclear, if I say that right, nuclear aircraft carriers, nuclear subs, their destroyers are bigger with the larger range and higher, larger caliber ammunition than the American Navy. In short, the Chinese Coast Guard, pound for pound, has more ships, better ships, newer ships, and in the South China Sea, which is one of the most vibrant, critical sea lanes in the world, than the U.S. Navy. And they're flexing. They're building their own islands. They're starting to flex close to other places. But here is where reality will hit them. Taiwan is 50 miles away from mainland China. 50 miles. Do you know how hard it is to pack everything up and travel 50 miles for an invasion? The cross I've said this before. The cross-channel invasion from the British Isle, UK, into northern uh, France, Enchanté, Bonchardie, uh, uh, during Normandy, that's like six miles. And that was like, you know, a, a major, major feat. This is 50 miles. Almost 10 times the length, right? Uh, 50 miles away, and you're going to invade? See, I believe, and I started to think about this, I believe that China it, China knows China cannot militarily and do an amphibious landing and take over Taiwan. They know that because of the length that would require and the logistics that the logistic Herculean effort it would take even to just put one Chinaman on the uh, on the land on the beaches of Taiwan. It would take a lot of work. It would take a lot of firepower. It would take a lot of stuff. So what is China doing? What is China doing coming to America? I believe that if you actually look at the data of trades, China's a paper tiger because for the first time in multiple decades, the United States is importing more from Mexico than it is in China. This is coming from the, uh, what's this, BOFA, Bank of America Global Investment Strategy, Bloomberg, Game of Trades, right? This is Mexico, has just now bypassed China as percent of total imports. 
This is massive. This is massive. Look at that. Since 2018, since Trump took office, they have just been plummeting. I'm telling you, China is a paper tiger. I'm telling you, those naval vessels that are all throughout the South China Sea are bought on credit. They have their own debt. They have their own bad situation. And the day when China was buying up the debt to lever against America is coming to an end. And this Federal Reserve fiat system that's been controlling the world is so brittle, but it's still in place. And because it's still in place, people aren't really looking to BRICS. And if they are, it's kind of like, well, you're not really in a position. China's not really in a position to do anything. And that what is that, that's why I'm asking, how do you sell a war? How do you sell a war? If, if Americans have been made, American political conservatives saw China, saw Xi Jinping Pong come to San Francisco. I used the same story. I made fun of what's-his-face Gavin Newsom. I was saying the same thing because there's value in that commentary to show how subservient the left is to the communists. There's value in understanding that. But get underneath that. China's not in a military position to invade Taiwan. They could probably bomb the crap out of them. They could nuke them. But if they want the, if they want the manufacturing of the chips, if they want that industry, they're going to have to take the ground. And to take the ground would require the logistical capability of taking a bunch of Chinamen and moving them 50 miles across the water onto an island. That's going to be very, very hard. Especially if America, even with its weaker Navy, weaker Air Force, decides to put up a fight. It's going to be a really big fight, and China ain't in the position to do it. China has destroyed its generations with the one-child policy that it has radically and dramatically switched over. So China is recognizing that we're not in a good position. China's not in a good position. But they, because they know they're not in a good position, they have to do these flex moves on America to convince Americans, oh no, China's about to take over. China ain't about to take over. They've been inverted from trade with Mexico. And it, like, you, you have to understand, if the Chinese economy is dependent on exports, cheap human labor to put out a bunch of craps you know, like with toothpicks with American flags on them. If that's what China's economy is, if China's building these super cities that are completely vacant because they ain't got enough people that can afford to live there, but they're making them so that they can pay people for economy's sake, they're on a bubble that's about to pop. And here they want to flex and to show the world it's propaganda, folks. It's propaganda. It's, that's my point. And how are they selling the war? They're selling the war by convincing Americans that the left is completely subservient to them, that they control the media, they control the education, they control the Congress, they control the elections, they control all that stuff. And I'm not arguing that they don't. I'm saying that as long as your focus is on that, your focus is not on Christ. Your focus is not on the fundamental war and if or the fundamental law. In Proverbs 17, 24, it says, Wisdom is before him that hath understanding. But the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the world. If your eyes are looking all around the world, this is happening, and this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, you're going to be like, oh no, what's going on? 
But the wisdom is to understand who you are, where you are, what you can directly impact. This is why we do Live Local. This is why I point people to my teacher, Dave Jose, at Real Dave Cares For You at the number four on Twitter. Amen. Go learn the fundamental law. Learn your rights. Learn how to assert that in the law. I also want to point this one thing out. You know, you remember all these people talking about Ukraine? This is a Wall Street Journal article. came out a couple days ago. It says it's time to end the magical thinking about Russia's defeat. Russia is absolutely going to win in Ukraine. And I want to point out why. I want to make a positive case for why Russia will absolutely win in Ukraine. Before I start this, I want to point you to HumbleWB.coffee. HumbleWB.coffee. Delicious air-roasted coffee. Not drum-roasted coffee. Drum, 99% of coffee companies put the bean in a metal bucket, turn it around on fire, and then whenever they make it bitter, they got to load it up with a, a bunch of chemicals. To the contrary, air-roasted coffee never touches hot metal. It's on a perfectly cushioned layer of air, perfectly roasted, no, or, no, no, no preservatives, no additives, nothing added to it. It's available direct for membership right there to your door, uh, humblewb.coffee, humblewb.coffee. Russia is going to win Ukraine because the American military industry can't supply the bullets anymore. I believe the military industrial complex has already shifted its focus to Israel. But even if it doesn't, this article right here from Defense News back, uh, what's it, a week ago, U.S. Army eyes $3.1 billion ammo production boost a new spending ask. Now think about this. This was right when Speaker Mike Johnson was taking the gavel from stupid godless comic Kevin McCarthy, who happened to knee some dude or uh, elbow some dude from Tennessee in the back, right? So this is going on. And what's really, what's really happening? The military industrial, I'll just give you the short version. The post-World War II thought process about America being the superpower is over. And the industries that are have made a lot of money and gained a lot of power from that belief are recognizing they can't keep it in action. You have people who know, you have Americans who don't want to join the army. They got kicked out of the army for not wearing masks and not for wanting to take poison in their bodies. So the retention is down. The recruiting is down. No one wants to go fight in the military because rising generations recognize that the U.S. military is no longer fighting for American interests. It's fighting for the lobbyists' interests. So you take this hollowed out, depraved, feckless fighting force that's overly reliant on technology uh, like reapers or drones or, um, yeah, just this is overly reliant on technology. It's, it's use of precision pinpoint special operations, which was really meant to, uh, you know, either cause strife in the case that you would plant a special forces group that would foment an uprising and then the CIA would come in and do a color revolution or it would go pinpoint precision strike, lop the head off of some uh, insurgent group and that way you could propagandize, look at how the Navy SEALs killed this one dude, which is why every Navy SEAL seemed to be writing a best-selling book and having a movie made after them. Right? I mean, if you're a Navy SEAL, you get a three-dimensional mock-up of your objective. You get like two or three weeks to practice, and then you go hit it at two o'clock in the morning when you've got uh, the angel of death flying around above you. You have so much dedicated combat power that the precision effort mission that you're doing, it's freaking overkill. Not to take away from their physical prowess or their technical expertise. They're certainly better than me, but it's freaking overkill. 
And so whenever you glamorize special operations and the, the fights that they get in, you actually train Americans to have an, uh, an unrealistic understanding of what war is. And so whenever they actually go to war or they're participating in war, people are actually a lot more stubborn and you can't really kill as much people as you think you can. It's really, really hard to win a war if you have a war that's fought for profit purposes and not national sovereignty purposes. If you're fighting to defend a nation, then yes, you'll get it done quick because people, you'll be destroying the enemy with no mercy. If, however, war is a commercial enterprise, then you're going to extend it while trying to minimize the variables that you need to keep optimum. You need people to keep coming into the military so you don't need to get in wars where a bunch of people die in the military because people are like, I don't want to go die for that junk. I don't want to go Stalingrad that thing. I don't want to go into the freaking front lines where the guy has the rifle and if he dies, I've got the five bullets I can put it in and go against a machine gun. I don't want to do that. But see, those are wars of national sovereignty. Those are wars of like national survival. America doesn't fight those wars. America fights overly industrial, highly commercialized, high technological wars of nation shaping. And I don't think Americans want to be in it anymore. And I think that's what's happening. But you get back to this defense news article. You have the, this, this article right here is pointing out the fact that America can no longer keep up its current apparatus. If we go to a poll quote from this, it says this. Another uh, 14 million would cover the construction and recommissioning of a black powder and explosive combination of sulfur, carbon, potassium nitrate uh, production line with called the company GoX in Minden, Louisiana. So just recognize off the bat that the uh, American military goes ahead and outsources this to private companies. That's, that's important to note. It's no longer American military or the government controlling the, the production uh, for, the, for the purpose of the war. It's now a company. Do you think a company would develop the industrial or the logistical capability of manufacturing and in, in, you know, generating the industrial rate of large-scale war munitions if there wasn't some type of predictability or expectation of continued government or continued uh, enterprise, I should say. A total of 80 million of the supplemental would complete the expansion of 155 millimeter uh, metal parts production at Scranton, another 21 million at the nearby location in Hanover, Pennsylvania, Bush said. This is a dude from Congress. It's not George Bush. The idea is that 155 howitzers, big bullets that artillery pieces shoot, they only are in production. And you read here, it says, the Army is already producing 28,000 155 projectiles a month. Now think about this. I forgot to clip it, but right now, 28,000 155 projectiles in Ukraine lasts six days. So just do the basic math. If the Army in America is producing 28,000 a month in Ukraine, just in Ukraine against Russia, is only able is using 28,000 in six days, then that shows that the American military production can't even fight and maintain the war in Ukraine. That's what that means. And so this article that I was just pointing out right here, this article with this new b -b 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 billion dollars in ammo, going down to all these different commercial companies. Look at this forecast, folks. This is talking about the fact that, well, they're producing 28,155s right now, but over the next year, Bush, which is a dude in, in uh, Congress, he says the army would likely hit 36,000. Okay. 
and they would steadily grow up to 60,000 by the year by the year end of fiscal year 24. That's next October. That's next October. That's less than a year from now. So the army in less than a year intends to go from 28,000 to 60,000 rounds of 155. And then the plan is to hit roughly 80,000 per month moving into 2025. So this time next year, next fiscal year I should say. Next fiscal year they're looking to do 80,000 projectiles a month. Question. If a big artillery piece is shooting 60, not just one, but if, if, if your requirement to shoot is 60,000 projectiles a month, what do you intend to do with them? You tend to shoot them, right? You're not just going to stockpile them. But here's the other thing. Artillery is never on the forward edge of battle. Artillery is never there first. Artillery is there only after the infantry, only after logistics can supply it, and only if after it's got the nice comfy room to set up shop to shoot back at the enemy. Which means the 60,000, or excuse me, which means the 80,000, the 80,000 projectiles per month moving into 2025. Think about this. Think about this. If you need 80,000 projectiles of really big howitzer bullets by the end of 2025, what does that tell you about the distribution or the disposition of these bullets? Are you just going to put them in a big warehouse and not use them? Are you just going to be funneling money into these companies for not using what they produce? If so, isn't that a commentary against the military-industrial complex? Doesn't that show the fleecing uh, of, of the American people and the corruption of this military-industrial complex? So you're wrong if, if, if you're just going to make them, you're wrong. Okay, well, then you got to use them. Well, who are you going to use them on? You're just going to give them to Israel? Because now you're using U.S. taxpayer dollars to go to uh, plush, you know, connected companies. I wonder how many congressmen are invested in these companies, by the way. These companies are then going to produce these big bullets, and then those big bullets are what? Just going to be given to Israel? You're going to, you're going to sell them for a profit, or are you going to sell them at wholesale? You're going to sell them at all. And if you just give them to Israel, what are you really doing? Hey, Israel, here's these really big artillery shells. Don't use them against Gaza, which would do what? Continue to provoke Arab nations to do what? To keep coming against Israel. And then all of a sudden you've got lots of people coming against Israel. At which point America would be like, wow, everyone's coming against Israel. Good thing we got all these big bullets that we've been making for the past couple years. Because now we're on an ability to fight. This is them selling the war. This is them selling the war. This is how they do it. And the stupid congressman will be like, this will create jobs. We, we need to pass this money to create jobs. American manufacturing. No, when, when we say American manufacturing, we mean steel for buildings. Right? We mean, we mean railroads for transportation. We, we mean uh, making things for us to use. We don't mean industrial weapons manufacturing. Factoring, can't talk. We don't mean industrial weapons manufacturing so you can go support a war that we don't want to fight in. So that way, whenever it really gets bad, you can come back to America and go, we got to fight for democracy. We got to fight for America. This is stupid. This is dumb thinking. I reject it. But the artillery pieces aren't going to be there by themselves. 
There's going to be infantry. There's going to be air cover. There's going to be logistics, feeding everybody, taking out the trash. There's, you, I mean, you got to, you got to poop. Where you got to poop? You got to do something. You, like you're going to get them some there. Some, you're going to get the artillery pieces there somehow. They have to be pulled by a truck, right? The, who's going to drive the truck? Who's going to fuel up the truck? Logistics. People don't think logistics. So how do you sell a war? Well, right here. The wisdom of understanding that war requires logistics is not something that the American people think about. So when they see this type of stuff, they're like, yeah, we need ammo because ammo's good. Not even thinking about like all the stuff that goes into it. Not even thinking about the fact that the production capacity right now can't even sustain a week in Ukraine, let alone years in the Middle East. I want to shift, if I can, to this Osama bin Laden letter. You may have been hearing it that I'm not going to cover it. I'm not going to, like, read it. But in 2002, allegedly, Osama bin Laden penned a letter to the United States. And it's been up for 20 years. This letter right here, it's been up on The Guardian since November of 2002. November of 2002. And in that letter, Osama bin Laden allegedly, and people say that he was a CIA asset. I don't know. I don't know these things. Allegedly, he's writing to the Americans. Why are we fighting you? Why do we keep doing these things? And he points to Palestine. He points to uh, America's backing of Israel and, um, and Israel's uh, violence against Palestinians. That's why he justified the letter. That's why the, the letter allegedly written by Osama bin Laden was using that to justify. Now, the issue that this is so important is because this has been all over the place. This has, in the, in the recent two, three days, has sparked tens of thousands of shares and millions of views. All by young people. And that's what I want to look at. I want to look at this cancer of young people. And I want to use the Osama bin Laden letter to show how there is a, uh, a flashpoint that's already gone by. And most people older than me won't be able to see it. And this is not, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm not trying to say I'm better. I'm saying that the, the internet, the digital natives, the people that have always grown up with the internet have such a malleable worldview that whenever they understand something or they see something, it will resonate in ways that older generations won't recognize. Just very, it's just very, very basic, very fundamental. The rate at which younger generations consume information is much faster. That, I mean, that's not deniable. Um, they, they just have a, a, a bigger, wider net of understanding or, or I should say collecting information at a younger age than older generations did when they were the same time. Much, much bigger. The, way more in the eyes, in the ears. Way more. And then if you pair this with the uh, America-hating, white-hating you know, education system that's been going on, when you take the natural evolution of I hate America, I hate white people, uh, Black Lives Matter, you take that and you pair it with the war in Israel, Israel versus Palestine. The Jew hatred that's coming out of it is, is automatic. Like it's, it's understandable from a logical conclusion. If, if you train younger generations to hate people, then that's what they're going to do. 
But I don't think that that's actually what's happening. I think that's happening with a bunch of Palestinian protesters. And the more that it's actually happening, the more that you're going to get it. I mean, there's people on um, Twitter, OSIT Defender, that I uh, track down for all sorts of other kind of stuff. OSIT is open source intelligence. He says, maybe it's about time the State Department starts using that power. They've just recently said they had to remove the visas of an issue deportation of Hamas supporters within the United States. And then it's Yashar Ali, another dude, that says, over the past 24 hours, thousands of TikToks at least have been posted where people share how they just read Bin Laden's infamous letter to America in which he explained why he attacked the United States. Now, there's a couple different things going on. There is the idea that this is focusing on Israel and Hamas. I'm not, I'm not even going to do that because we've covered that. I, I've, I've covered that before extensively. I don't think that that's what's happening. That's what's happening on the surface, but that's not actually what's happening. What's happening is that older generations have no longer transmitted their values to the younger younger generation. In, you know, whereas before you would transmit your values to your kids, they would do it for your grandkids, so on, so forth, so on. The breakdown of society, the breakdown of marriage, the neglect of God, the abortion of babies in the womb, the sodomy as normalcy, these types of depraved anti-God perspectives have broken and fractured societies. I've talked and I've spoken about this before where the generations are no longer cohesive. There's no longer a bridge between them. I, of course, I'm going to end this with Jesus. So that's where we're going. But, but let me kind of lay the landscape if I can. When you've got Slate Magazine reporting that the squad, this, uh, remember the Rashida Tlaib, AOC, these people that hate America and hate Jesus, they're actually being targeted by APAC. APAC is going to be coming after, that's the same thing. APAC is going to be coming after the squad. It says that it's going to raise $100 million to come after the squad. Why? Because the squad is supporting Hamas. Not only does this show the Israel lobby and the Jewish influence in American politics, but it shows that they were tolerating, APAC was tolerating the squad until the squad became very pro-enemy of Jews. So it was fine whenever AOC and Rashida Tlaib and what's the woman that married her brother who's a Muslim, uh, Ilhan Omar, it was fine when these women were railing against white supremacy. It was fine whenever they were calling America colonizers. It was fine whenever they're looking at Christianity going, this is a, you know, uh, what, what's it, the, the maidservant or the, uh, the the women in the, you know, whatever, which is ironic because freaking Ilhan Omar wears a, a towel on her head. So like all of these things are going on and it was fine while it was attacking the majority of America because the majority of America is white and Christian but as soon as either A, that majority goes down, and now you've got a bunch of pluralities, now all these minority groups are hating and targeting Jews. Not Jews according to Romans 2.29, but Jews according to the ethnicity. And so if we think about this, APEC had the opportunity to smash the squad whenever the squad was going against, you know, saying white supremacy was, was bad, or silence is violence if you don't worship George Floyd, or America's full of slave owners and, and uh, black people did everything and America's only good because black people did it and everyone took things from black people. APAC could have smashed the squad then, but they didn't. APAC is now looking to smash the squad now because the squad is now looking at Hamas to go against Jews. But that still isn't the point. That's still not what's going on. That's a reductio. 
The reductio is Israel or not Israel, Jews or not Jews, which is not what I do. I look to the Bible and Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 30, you are either with him or you're against him. Christ's categories are Christ and not Christ. The Bible does not have categories of Jew or non-Jew. Colossians 3 said there is no more Greek nor Jew nor circumcised nor Scythian or barbarian for all for Christ is all for Christ is in all for Christ is all and all and in all if you're in Christ your label your earthly label doesn't matter doesn't matter so when you yoke up and try to click up with people that are with labels you need to make sure that they've got Jesus as their central one because if not you're going to be deceived that's just a little rant. But here's what's going on that I want to point out. This is what's going on right now. This, uh, this uh, well, I think it's a girl, but at Sword Mercury, right? Once the defenders of the current order are reduced to being, quote, terrified by the stupidity of the growing cohort of people who no longer buy into the dying value system and ideology, you're in the last dismal act of a regime. Piers Morgan is signaling that he has given up. And of course, Piers Morgan is saying, terrifying that these young people are so stupid. And, and uh, Piers is going on the Yasher thing that's saying this with the TikToks. So Yasher Ali is speaking about how all these TikTok, all these people on TikTok are doing the Bin Laden's letter to America. And then this uh, person here says that when Piers says that these are terrifying, that these young people are so stupid, this person's here is saying, you're not, um, you know, it's a dying value system. What is the dying value system? The dying value system is this globalist post-World War II order that uses the Holocaust as the tying uh, event to make sure that Israel doesn't ever get attacked. That's what these people are saying. These people are saying that you're going after, and this is where you would get into Holocaust denial. I am not a Holocaust denier. Denial. I believe that Jews were killed. The point that people are making, and this is where you know, this is where you get blown up. The point people are making is you can never criticize the Holocaust or Jews or Israel or anything. You can never say anything about these things or else you're just canceled from society completely. You're just absolutely nuked. You're just destroyed. But now there's a brewing war in Israel and people who don't want to do it are just in droves doing it. And, and the point that I want to make is the censorship of ideas has now blown up in the face of the people who are censoring. The people who are censoring, Jewish power, media, influence, Hollywood, newscasters, whatever, money, by making it to where you couldn't insult something, by making it to where you couldn't speak against something, this has now, ironically, come back and is blowing up in their face. Which, of course, for me, is I'm going to point to the gospel I don't want to be part of the Holocaust deniers or the Holocaust defenders. I want to point to the fact that thou shalt not murder. And there was a bunch of murder going on. And the only solution for murder, the sin of murder, is the salvation of, and the blood of the Lamb. That's how Christians think. That's how the Bible teaches. That's what Jesus wants Christians to think. Because if you imbue history or uh, events with this political power and you can't insult it as soon as that inverts which this is happening right here with the younger generation as soon as that inverts you get the the flood 
of of stopped up, stymied, uh, fettered hate that is now just going to flow. And that's what's happening. So until Christians, I believe that the world is going to be dependent on the actions of Christians because that's how Jesus does stuff. Jesus works through his church because he wants the gospel to save souls. He can take all the time in eternity to make sure every soul that he wants comes to him. Every nation gets to, to obey him. He has all the time that he wants to make that happen. And I believe that's what he's going to do. I believe that's what he wants. So it's these people with a very short timeline, a prophetic timeline, this imminent end of the world. These people are actually participating in making sure that the message is not the gospel, but the message is, well, look to Israel because that's where Jesus is going to come. And if you bring the red heifers and you build the third temple and you do all this, you could actually create the events that gets God to come down. I think that is idolatrous, and this is the response to it. The response to it is hate. So you've got hate, which is not obeying the Bible, not looking to Jesus and preaching the gospel, but it's looking to what you know, modern Israel and all this kind of stuff, saying this is what's going to happen, which is not the gospel, by the way. That's not a message that saves. There's no salvation there. And because there's no salvation there, why are we talking about it? That needs to obey Jesus. But this post-World War II global order, the one with the military-industrial complex that uses war for its finances, we've already seen that with the production of the ammunition. We've seen the purchasing, the buying off, the corruption of American politics. I just showed you Slate was going to spend um, $100 million. Slate's going to spend 100 or excuse me, APAC is going to spend $100 million in American politics. You think that's normal? You, you think that's normal? Keeps going on. Here's the second one. This one says, Anyone calling young people here stupid for sitting down and reading a dense eight-page letter is a category error. The issue isn't a lack of intelligence. The issue is them not sharing your value system. Old people are now openly failing to transmit their value system to the young. This, if this hurts, you better say ouch. Because this is what's coming. The value system of the older generation is not the gospel of Jesus Christ because look at the culture, look at the world we have. We have a culture that has not focused on Jesus, which is why we have baby butchering, open borders, lawlessness, you've got depravity, broken homes. No one's preaching the gospel that actually says to repent of your sins. They're teaching this feel-good, hippie Jesus crap. That ain't right, and that's going to be a not salvation, not not saving message. And now you have here an articulate, intelligible perspective that says, no, if people are going to sit down and read the eight-page letter from a dead jihadist telling the world, we killed you guys because you're supporting Israel, then when young people recognize that and young people see the privilege and the power, the influence and the pride of Jews thinking that they can you know, influence things, that's the perception. And when that's the perception, they're going to hate it automatically. There's no gospel in that situation. If Christians don't bring the gospel to that situation, that situation only devolves in hate. Because the people that support the Jews will stiffen their necks and they'll be saying, no, we're God's chosen people. And these other people, they're like, you know what? We screw you guys. 
We don't care because we don't want to fight in your wars. We can't afford housing. Food is more expensive. I can't drive to my job that would try to pump me full of mRNA even if I went there. Right? Like the, the society is broken and it doesn't make sense. And you're going to elevate and, and preserve this special group of people that have influence everything? It is a very dangerous time if you are not bringing the gospel. If you're not bringing the gospel message, you've lost. And this is my this is my my call. Like it, she keeps going. She says, "Young people not believing in communism in the Soviet Union is not, in 1989 wasn't an issue of them being stupid. It was an issue of them not believing in communism." And it happened because communism was no longer possible for them to believe in. The same is happening in the West. People can no longer believe in the society that they think, or they can no longer believe in the society that they're told exists. The post-World War II globalist order where America is the lone superpower and can moralistically impugn other nations just by extending her military and bopping them on the head is over. It's over. And the more that people glom onto it, the more that they try to hold to it, the more that time will pass them by, younger generations will isolate them, and they will die with no uh, lasting legacy or influence. Now, I'm not positioning this as a, if you're older than me, and you you know disagree with me, change what you think so that you can shape old, young people. I'm not making a pro-young people argument. I actually think it's stupid to say young people and old people. Yesterday, Jonathan Greenblatt, I played the audio, said that this is not a left and right game, it's a young and old game. He's wrong. He's wrong because his bias is to make sure that the Jewish people continue in their power. Because he wants Jewish people to continue in their power, his paradigm is looking at the younger generations going, these guys hate us, we need to focus on the young people. What he's not doing is he's not standing on truth, which is the gospel, which is the fact that these younger generation who probably hate Jews and are, are friendly towards Palestine and, or uh, Hamas, they're friendly towards uh, you know all this other stuff, they're friendly towards, um, what's his name, Osama bin Laden, these guys probably hate themselves, just like the older generations do. If the older generations are, are sitting back on their 401ks and their pensions and their social security, none of which the younger generation is going to get, by the way. But if they're sitting here going, oh, I hate my life. My kids hate me. My life's kind of in shambles, but at least I have my pension or at least I have uh, you know provision for my rent or food or whatever. Younger, that, that, is, that is one way to think. The other way to think is this entire world sucks. Nothing makes sense. Those people are responsible. Let's go smash. And they're gonna pin the they're gonna pin the tail, you know. I mean, scapegoat. The idea of a scapegoat comes from the Old Testament. You kick the the goat out of the thing. You like that's where my sin is. My sin's on that thing. That's what's happening right now. And if Christians don't use the gospel and don't come to young people or old people with the gospel, like for the old people, it's like, hey, you've lived your life. You're about to go into eternity. Whatever you've done wrong, whatever you think you've done right, is not going to stop the just the justice and the judgment of God. You must repent and trust in Christ. And it doesn't matter what you've done, how old you are, or what condition you're in. Christ is there inviting you. Likewise, to the young people, 
you guys are becoming more aware of how evil this world is and nothing makes sense. If you have in your heart to hate people of a certain group, you will never change. You will be like this for the rest of your life and you are actually the same type of people that you're hating right now. You just don't see it. Instead, why don't you think about the bloodline that you can make with, the, with a person of the opposite sex in monogamous marriage, build the bloodline based on truth that stands on timeless principles that influences generations. Challenge yourself to defeat the spiritual giant and, the, and the, the spiritual dragons that are in your mind and in your heart by using the Bible to conform to the way of Christ. How about you do that? Instead of casting all your blame on Jews just because they have influence in the media, influence in politics, influence in banking and all these other things. They are focused on earthly power and God has allowed you, he will give you spiritual heavenly wisdom if you follow him. Proverbs 17, 24. Wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. We are looking all over the place. We aren't looking right in front of us. And because we don't look right in front of us, we continue. It says here, this is Megan Kelly. Look at Megan Kelly's tweet first. Megan Kelly says, To the parents of all these losers, suddenly persuaded by the deranged musings of a man who murdered 3,000 American innocents, you failed. You were likely boozing, marching for some left-wing cause, or simply ignoring your kids. You failed to teach them from right, and then it goes on. Then this person just comes down. Again, it's anonymous, so think about that. Who would win? The entire Western media propagandist machine, or a generic political polemics by an edgy Arab guy? Do you not see the satire? Do you not see the, the righteous indignation of Megyn Kelly just being lampooned by this anonymous Twitter account? And the anonymous Twitter account, that's how young people think. They don't give a crap about some washed out MILF wannabe who thinks that she's an influencer because she had a big platform on Fox. And now she's going to smack around a bunch of people she doesn't know as a category because they have brought out something that has been published 21 years ago that is now socially relevant. There's nothing timeless in Megyn Kelly's thinking. There is only emotion. It's leveraging her looks, which is why that her desk was always clear, by the way. right? It's, like it's leveraging the way that she looks so that people could like what she says. And they think that she's going to have her Megyn Kelly moment and that she's going to own people. And here comes an anonymous Twitter user that's like, uh, Western propaganda or some edgy Arab dude. And because that's an anti-institutional thinking, young people are going to be like, yeah, that's right. But the young people are really just talking about Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The global order is crashing. That doesn't mean the world's going to an end. That means Christ is king. And as we see things change, we need to be looking to him. We need to be reading his Bible. The way that you sell a war is to always be in war and make life seem as though it's a war. Now, I say go to war a lot, but when I say it, I'm looking at Jesus. I'm purposefully using fighting language 
to tie it back to the Bible, to tie it back to the gospel. Because we are in a war. But I'm not trying to sell the idea. I'm trying to live it. I'm not trying to manipulate people so that I get my way. I'm trying to say, this is what I believe is true. And I, I can show it right here in this book. It's timeless. It's true. It's perfect. The world hates this. And I would much rather, with all this hate going on, the Jew hate, the young people hate, all like all this stuff, I'd much rather all that hate come and focus on Jesus for a little bit. Let's bring it back to the cross. Let's bring it to the king. Let's see if Jesus can stand the hate of the world. Let's see if we can bring the cross and make it the center of all conversation. That is a conversation that people aren't having. That's the conversation the church should be only having. But make no mistake, I absolutely believe that this is happening because you have people saying this right here. Candace Owens says Christ is king. And then this uh, you know, terror alarm says, as Kanye West political mentor Candace Owens continues to flirt with an anti-Semitic Christian fundamentalist right, she attacks her Jewish employees by methodically posting this vile, ugly, anti-Semitic phrase. Folks, Christ is king is biblical. Straight Bible. Or how about this one? This one says from Bethany Mandel says, uh, this is anti-Semitic. And that's from Dr. Taylor Marshall. Dr. Taylor Marshall said, I'm praying that Ben Shapiro finds faith in the only true king of the Jews, our Lord Jesus Christ. Bethany says, this is anti-Semitic. Devonsworth says, don't make enemies where you have none. Many Christians have shown sympathy towards Israel. It is unwise to call a core tenet of our faith anti-Semitic simply because you find it offensive. We want all people to believe in Christ, so it is not a unique feature we apply to Jews. Bethany responds, if you want Jews to stop being Jewish, you are my enemy. The Jewish people, uh, one, the Bible, well, we talked about this yesterday. The Jewish ethnicity is pro-Jewish ethnicity before anything, which is why the nation of Israel is so important to the Jewish ethnicity. They believe that that is their chosen land, despite the fact that they denied their king and they killed him. Despite the fact that the gospel went out to the world to include the Gentiles, and now Jesus sits on the throne where he expects all his enemies to be footstooled. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 13. Jews today deny the Bible. They don't read the Bible, and because of that, they hate Jesus. When Christians preach the gospel and bring Jesus in contrast to them, they reject him, which is what they did when they killed him. This is the war that should be happening. Bringing the gospel, faithfully proclaiming Christ as king, bringing that only message of salvation, of sin, to everyone. To the Jew, to the Muslim, to the atheist, to the Buddhist, even the pew-sitting Christian that ain't born again but think he is because he goes to church instead of reading his Bible, obeying the commands, believing the gospel, repenting of his sin, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There's no one getting out of this. I want to end, if I can, on this idea here. Amongst all the hate and all the fight and all the stuff going on, C.J. Stroud is the star quarterback of the Houston Texans NFL football team. Just crushing it. But he's not crushing it by what he's doing on the field. He's crushing it by how he gives glory 
after he crushes it on the field. Watch this. Um, for me, I mean, um, it's a lot of prayer, a lot of just um, knowing that, man, God wouldn't put anything on me that I can't handle. Um, and um, he, I don't deserve his grace and his mercy, um, but he still gives it to me, and I love him for that because, I mean, it's, nothing, it's not about me. It's about him um, and his glory. So um, I think that's where it comes from. I think God made me like that. I've been through a lot, not only in football, but um, things that uh, made me just kind of chill during uh, when everything's going crazy. Um, and I thank God for putting that on me because that's something that um, put that. Amen. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus lived a perfect life. He was born of a virgin. The prophecies, the Old Testament said that he was coming. Then he came. Then he lived. He lived a perfect life. And at the very end of his life, he took the cross voluntarily out of love, out of obedience to his father and love of all people. And when he took that cross, God poured his wrath out on Jesus for the sins of the world. When Jesus was buried in the grave, he then physically rose from the grave three days later. This physical resurrection is promised. We will all rise. We will all go somewhere. Everyone will either go to heaven or either go to hell. You go to hell because you're a sinner. You go to hell because you pay the fine for your sin. You're not going to pay the fine for my sin. You are not good enough as a sacrifice to take my sin from me. I am not good enough as a sacrifice to take your sin from you. And because everyone has sinned, everyone dies, everyone deserves the judgment of God. This is where Jesus comes in. Because if you ask for salvation, you can't have it because God is just and he's perfect. He has to punish. He has to pour his wrath out on sin. Jesus, having lived a sinless life, being God in the flesh, was the only qualified atonement for that wrath. For, for all of our sin, for that sin, he was the only qualified atonement. When you believe the gospel, you are participating in salvation with Jesus that he's provided. He has provided salvation. His perfect life in exchange for our sinful life. It's that exchange. So when we go up to God and God looks at us for judgment, God doesn't see Jaron anymore. He sees Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, he says, I've already poured my wrath out on you. You have paid the fine. Jesus, because he is good, gives me a robe of righteousness. I am treated as though I am co-heir with him. I'm treated as though I lived his life which I didn't live his life. I don't deserve it. This is what C.J. Stroud is talking about. This is grace and mercy. Now, the powerful thing is that this is God's only way to salvation. This is why when people are looking at Jerusalem, thinking that there has to be a third temple, recognize that the third temple will reconstitute animal sacrifices. How could animal sacrifices have blood atonement, animal life atonement, better than what Jesus did? You can't have animal sacrifice now that Jesus has done away with the temple system. That's why God destroyed the temple. He destroyed the temple to show he's done with the temple. It ain't there anymore. He's done with it. It's gone. So when people look at the Jewish people, when they look at the land of Israel, they need to go to the Bible and see what the Bible says about Jews, Romans 2.29. What the Bible says about Israel, Galatians 4.21-31. They need to figure out who God is actually focused on and who he's talking about.
We let so much stuff in our eyes and our ears for the key terrain of the mind, which affects the prize of our soul. The world is bombarding you with spiritual warfare, deceptions, and lies. Don't believe Jaron. Read the Bible. Don't believe your favorite pastor. Don't believe the, the video on the internet. Don't let your family be destroyed. Don't let your health or whatever be destroyed because you're not reading the Bible. Put the Bible first, which will mean that you're putting Jesus first and believe the gospel, my friends. Thank you very much for watching. One way to help me is to go to patriotswitch.com slash Jaron, patriotswitch.com slash Jaron. We covered a lot of ground today. We covered a lot of ground generally uh, on all live streams. If you would appreciate or if you would uh, consider helping me, this is one way to do it. Take the shopping you're already doing and switch it over, Patriot. Uh, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. There's others. There's other ways to help. There's actually a direct support link in the in the description box below. That is there. If the Patriot Switch option is not enough and you want to help more, I uh, see what I did there. You could do the uh, the direct support and then also the arrows to coffee. That membership there. The portions of proceeds goes to mail Bibles throughout the country. That is at humblewb.com or humblewb.coffee. Humblewb.coffee. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so we got uh, Lord willing. We'll be back on Monday. Until then, I am Jaron Jackson. I do love America. Do not quit. Never quit. Quitting's for losers. Quitting's for like Xi Jinping Ping Pong. Go to war. <laughs>